Welcome back to Marvel News Desk, your best place to keep up with all the latest news, reviews, and speculation concerning Marvel films and TV shows. Uh, we have two of our usual hosts. I'm Caleb, and we have Adam. And then we are so happy today to have Michael T. Ford III joining us uh, in place of Rhiannon. Michael, how are you doing? Well, I could never replace Rhiannon, but all I hope to do is suitably fill her shoes. Um, I'm doing great, guys. I love love anytime you guys give me an opportunity to get my voice on the pod. So uh, I'll try to do my best. Now, um, before we get started, I would love for you to share a little bit. Uh, some of our listeners may not be aware of your uh, podcast, the, the Racial Draft. And I think they would love to hear more about it. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, at this point, you know, we're we're sort of getting close to the first year. Um, but what we do is it's 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 a it's a free forming very much, but it's it's a discussion about the intersection of race and comics. And what we do is we frame it around the idea of race bending characters and how that could potentially uh, change for the better or for the worse certain characters. So you know, there's a sort of a competitive element. We have different teams that represent different races and ethnicities. And you know, every week we go through a round of characters and we talk about those characters. And uh, you know, we also talk about geek news and um, you know any, anything else that kind of crosses our our purview in the in the week but yeah i mean we have a lot of fun awesome and i'm sure you find that on most podcast uh outlets and all that kind of stuff oh yeah on you can Twitter, find us yeah. on anchor spotify apple google podcasts you know if you just plug in you know it was remarkably easy to find the racial draft when i search for it so i think it'll be easy for you guys to find it too Adam, that hair keeps getting longer, man. Every time I, I know, look over, right? it's I, like... I was going to make a comment. I'm like, I might need to uh, follow you. You got a fresh new cut, man. Oh, I did. Yeah, Last I trimmed it up. We recorded. Is I, that um... is that pandemic uh, pandemic growth? Like a playoff beard? Are you doing you doing that? that uh, kind of. Yeah, I don't know. It started off like I I hate sitting still the way it is, so I don't like getting haircuts much the way it is. Like I can't do car washes hardly. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. So that combined with uh, the pandemic, yeah, I'm going on a year and a half, maybe November 2019, I think Thanksgiving 2019. And I'm guessing you didn't, you know, take a picture of it right before you no. started because you had no idea it was going to be. I as had long no as idea <laughs> the world was going to turn to. <laughs> nope. See, for me, my haircuts are almost always based on when people want to go to church. I always uh, want it to look a little better. So, like right. Christmas, Easter, Mother's Day. Almost always haircut around that time. Big, so big weekend this. for you. Uh, yeah, I mean, if by big we mean lots of work, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I always refer to Easter weekend as as the season finale um, of of the Christian season. You know, yeah, you, yeah. you got you, all the big events are happening. You know, everyone's ready for it. There, you know, maybe they'll be a little bit let down, but you know, you got you got to deliver that season finale sermon. You uh, know. Yeah, uh, and I can I'm, tell you, I'm not going to make a Mephisto joke, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you that pastors are also going to be exhausted on Monday morning because you know it's just it's a little crazy. Well, that's good because I mean that's when the discount candy is, and just eat your feelings away, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Lots of Reese's uh, Reese's eggs or Cadbury eggs to, yeah. to get over it. Absolutely. All right. So today's podcast, we have hardly any news. Like I looked, nothing happened this week. Yeah, let me um, see. Let me see what I had in my docket. Um, yeah. You know, there was a fair amount of DC news, but obviously that's 
for the sister podcast. <laughs> um, the biggest thing I had was um, there was a rugby league game where the Thor Ragnarok crew showed up and oh, Jeff yeah. Goldblum was there. And so was Russell Crowe. Crow. Now, Adam, has anybody like confirmed that Russell Crowe actually is in this Headline. movie? Okay. Yeah. It, it was so memorable because you're reading through this and the deadline report said Marvel was trying to keep Crow's um, appearance secret, but deadline found out or something like right. that. Yeah, I remember that story. <laughs> so my, bizarre. So my theory, if we, if we can get this on the record, yeah. my theory is that Russell Crowe will be playing the part of Odin in the uh, sequel to the play that they do in Asgard, uh, recapping the previous movie. Oh, okay. I gotcha. I, see, somewhat Twitter. Twitter said better Ray Bill. So my mind just instantly goes. I don't know why. I don't think that's the best casting in the world. Well, I think the, I mean, didn't they say Crow. it was likely a cameo? Probably, probably in the play. I, who who else? Yeah, Odin would be good. But I thought we saw Sam Neill. I can't remember. Everything's just blurring together, and all these set photos. Or maybe we didn't see Sam Neill. Well, there's also been talk that there might be a King Thor, which I guess is Thor from the future when he's older. Right? Oh, yeah, Ooh. yeah. Yeah, there was a was it was it a multiverse rumor or was it a you know just multiple Thors from different ways of getting the hammer? I don't know. I, the people I think are just basing it on his look. Like he looks kind of like an older Thor from from some of the. Jason I mean, Aaron King stuff Thor's like, like really really new too. Like I'm not sure those comics were even out by the time that they were writing the script. I'm sure they. Well, were. I mean, King Thor came before Jane Thor, right? I mean, yeah, there I mean, was the Thor, Thor, like was the, the Thor core, but are you, Caleb? Are you talking like the Thor from the future with his granddaughters that Jason Aaron uses every so often now? Uh, well, I think it would go to the Gore stuff. Doesn't right. isn't the way that Thor beats Gore is that he like recruits his younger self and older self to like team up with him? Yeah, that's what I remembered. Was I, I don't know if that was before or after Jane. I guess. Well, after, I think it was concurrent, it? wasn't it? Wasn't maybe. Uh, I think the Gore stuff was first, and then Jane Foster stuff, and then. Okay. But I, I, oh, yeah. I well, it's you know what you know what I'm thinking about it's because Gore returns in the Jane run. Mm-hmm. I'm, I was thinking that that might have been where they incorporated because I think they also did time travel with that as well with the Jane run where she gets older Thor and and younger Thor to team up with her to take on Gore. We might have a better time remembering this if Marvel put them in one sequential series instead oh, yeah. of this being part of 18 different miniseries right. Legacy that came numbering out. and all that stuff. <laughs> right. yeah, it's... yeah, one thing, I mean, I still like Marvel Unlimited, but one thing that I would love is if you could, you know, personalize a reading order and right. and have it, you know, go comic to comic in the reading order before you start reading it. Right. Yeah. There's, a, there's no easy way to, like make a reading list or something like they have the recommended orders or you like, you can search by characters, but even though those are, yeah, not they just need a playlist. Like, like all your Spotify's have exactly. you know, just add to add to your playlist. Speaking of Gore, I thought about this this week. I feel like, have we not reacted enough to the fact that Christian Bell's playing GD Gore, the God butcher. <laughs> Isn't that insane? I don't know why I kept thinking about that this week, but I kind of stopped thinking about that. I think we want to save our freak out for when we first see it in the trailer right. and then just kind of run around like, what? That's the <laughs> one Marvel character design that's either going to go amazing or horrible. <laughs> mm. Yeah, there's a real danger that he just ends up looking like Voldemort, I think. You know? Right. 
with if only with, I knew who Voldemort with, was. Uh, Twi'lek things. What do they call them? Tendrils or whatever. Yeah, like head tails. Yeah. 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 He's also a character that largely runs around naked, doesn't he? As I'm remembering, there, there's Gore. some naked shots. I feel like Taika will have a little bit of fun with that, though. Probably. Yeah. Good thing Joss Whedon isn't around anymore. He probably oh. has. Uh... <laughs> oh. oh man. <laughs> Russell Crowe being in it. I mean. It is a, a big time actor. I think if it's somebody that is in it for any amount of time or have any importance, that's kind of a big deal. It does speak again, at least that deadline, Adam, that line that they had about, you know, Marvel didn't want this revealed. We've heard a little bit that Feige was a little frustrated that Evan Peters got mm-hmm. revealed. And if it is true that he wanted to keep this a secret as well, it seems that the Marvel police are not doing as good of a job as they used to do of keeping these things under. Yeah. The the snipers are taking days off. You know, they've, they've got to, they've got to re reassert their, their dominance in the, in the world. Out of everyone, they decided to furlough the snipers and it's incredible. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard to get the snipers in position in the pandemic, I suppose. Yeah. Also, if you wanted this to be a secret, having the entire cast show up in the corporate box of a team that's, I think, partially owned by Russell Crowe, it's not like they tried very hard, you know? I mean, that's that's a pretty easy way to give it away. I mean, there's been, like, Idris Elba posted pictures with Matt Damon and Chris Hemsworth. It's like, well, I mean, Heimdall probably might be back. I don't know. Oh, I'd be all about getting Heimdall back. Right. They scratch the surface. Finally, <laughs> scratch the surface with him in Ragnarok. Plus, you got to get you know you have to rest him out of the clutches of DC as much as you can. That's one of those castings that's interesting because it was early in his career, and so right. he's playing a bit role now. Looking back, and you're like, oh, you put Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston at the front, but Idris Elba was <laughs> it? You know, just hanging way back <laughs> yeah. down the call sheet. We were watching uh, Spider-Man 3 last night, and I forgot Bryce Dallas Howard played Gwen Stacy in that mm-hmm. movie. Mm, and yes. it's very weird to see a f- infamous redhead playing Gwen Stacy while you've got someone else playing Mary Jane. I mean, it's right? Just... Was it and isn't Kirsten Dunst blonde? Yeah, it's so they, it's they had really a redhead weird... playing. Yeah, they flipped the the uh, the hair colors. Michael, did you have any other new stuff on your? No, your list? I didn't see anything. I thought. I mean, like I said, there was a lot of. Uh, non-Marvel news, so I, I suppose that's why I, I didn't notice that there that there wasn't a lot of Marvel news. Well, if we want, we could deviate. Can we deviate for like five minutes and say yeah. just how foolish it is canceling New Gods? That's oh. the worst decision they've ever made. But New Gods was never real, guys. Like, it literally yeah. like was a thing that they came up with because it sounded cool and people talked about it on Twitter, but after the first week, there was never any progress on it. There was never any. I mean, Tom any... King said he wrote at least a couple lines. Yeah. So maybe he'll, he'll tweet <laughs> like, I, it's. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's it has the potential to come back. Right. But I, I think this was more of a statement about letting the people who, like you know, like Tom King, like Ava DuVernay, know that they're not going to be responsible for paying them anytime soon on, on the project. <laughs> Right. I mean, exa- it seems like they're trying to at least get like a direction going, I guess. They're trying. Maybe. But, you know, those hashtags keep a hashtagging. Oh, <laughs> you know? man. They sure do. I, it's bizarre to me. I, I know I'm a Marvel fanboy and I, you know, probably give Marvel too much credit. 
I, I do love that with Marvel, generally speaking, they're not going to bother us with something unless they're, they're sure it's going to happen. Like, right. We don't get stuff um, particularly announced mm-hmm. officially unless Kevin Feige really does intend mm-hmm. to make it. But I also think that's a factor. I just think the major factor there are the aforementioned Marvel snipers. Things don't leak before they're further down the um, the development cycle. You know, I think with DC, there's someone in that first pitch meeting where they're just throwing out ideas and they're like, hey, you know, it'd be kind of cool. And then immediately the trades will say, oh, they're thinking about doing a Blue Beetle movie, you know, whereas with Marvel, by the time the news even kind of gets to someone like Charles, um, you know, they've already had a couple meetings about it and they're already working on a direction. So, yes, those those um, projects are more likely to get made. Yeah. And I feel like Sony has been pretty bad about that as well, as far as remember the Spike Lee Nightwatch movie exactly. or the yeah. Jackpot movie or the or Aunt the... May spy movie. Yeah, that we all want Madame silver Brad. and black. You silver know, that black, was a big deal yeah. for a while. It, it does seem like they have pitch meetings at other studios and people run out of that meeting to go leak it. Exactly. Whereas at Marvel, it's like, no, you don't say anything until we're ready Who, to go. Uh, someone tweeted about NDAs this week and said that there was something where like uh, Marvel could take our house or something like that. Now, Michael would have better knowledge if that's even oh, yeah, legal. I mean, I, I've seen enough NDAs to know that they absolutely could. Good. So I, it's like between that and culture, you know, I mean, I think Marvel's has the culture where no one wants to um, mess things up. I mean, Disney's yeah. the only, well, it's really Marvel Studios because I mean, Disney, like Little Mermaid yeah. stuff leak left and right, you know. But And I do, th- and I also do think it is a corporate culture thing. You know, we've seen so much turmoil at the top with AT&T and Warner mm-hmm. Brothers and all of the backbiting and people jockeying for power. That makes it even easier to be a leaker and, you know, potentially hurt the guy above you, you know, who gets all of the, you know, all of the heat for a project that does like, f- for instance, like New Gods and Trench, you know, you, you hurt the outgoing you hurt, sorry, you hurt both the outgoing people and the incoming people with something like that. And then, you know, as they say, chaos is a ladder and there's someone little fingering their way up the, up the chain based on leaks. Yeah. And there's a steadiness there. Kevin Feige is not going to stop being the head of Marvel studios. And frankly, Nate Moore and Victoria Alonzo and a few of those other people, they're not going to cease to be the second tier. Like that's so concrete right. that there's nothing to be gained by, by trying to chip away at that. that exactly. Knowledge. And you maximize your money by being able to control the PR narrative. So yeah. if you're part of the organization, you don't want to upset that Apple cart. What's the Mar- MCU equivalent of the trench? Like Sicarian uh, bounty hunters, or <laughs> I would say the the Wakanda show they that supposedly oh, coming yeah. like a Disney Plus show mm-hmm. about Wakanda. In that it's it doesn't need Black Panther to exist. True. I think it's about the world. But the trench Panther. was you know even in the pitch because it was supposed to be a horror project already seemed you know kind of limiting in uh, terms of well not limiting but but different from what a normal DC production would be like. That's why I was thinking maybe something. That was, you know, almost like a rom-com. Like if they, if they, if Marvel decided that they were going to turn, uh, oh, um, you know, agents of Sword into 
kind of a, a funny, quirky, right. um, mid, mid-budget movie. Like a Galaxy Quest or whatever. Exactly. I suddenly had this flash of terror that Sony's going to buy the trench, uh, um, <laughs> the trench plot, and just turn it into a King in Black plot. You know? Oh like, yeah, Sim- yeah symbiotes all the way monsters, down. It's yeah. just symbiotes everywhere. Oof. That is. Have you been keeping up with that? That's the world's law. I think that's. Is this the longest Marvel Marvel event ever? Because I don't know. Blaze and all I mean, that, that would stuff. still be Secret Wars, I think. But uh, but yeah, this just like, feels like. It's happening so in this long. alternate world. All of the other comics are still going forward with their storylines, but there is also fighting sticky, sticky aliens. Yeah. The entire world is covered with goo, except for in every other book in the Marvel <laughs> universe. <laughs> exactly. And it all started with death of the inhumans. The inhumans had to die to get where we were are today. Why are the inhuman? Is there a single inhuman in any book right now? Other than Kamala Khan? Other than Kamala. That's, uh, yeah. I don't um, think so. No, I'm having a hard time thinking of anybody. I mean, it was Quake for a while, but I haven't seen her in a little bit ever since the uh, Force Works. Right. Yeah. Um, every once in a while, the last thing I can think of is uh, Frank McGee, I think it is, the uh, the Inhumans detective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was in some of that Search for Wolverine stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know what? I think Moon Girl was in Champions a couple months back. No. Karnak, just throw Karnak in a panel and he could kill Noel with one with one <laughs> touch. But what are you gonna do? Adam, I think you were referencing earlier, um, I think it was the therapist from Falcon of the Winter Soldier. She was doing an interview, I think, where she said that her house could be taken. Ah, uh, yeah. With the NDA. So Right, especially because she's Mephisto. <laughs> exactly. That's correct. <laughs> uh I think that's it. Let's talk about Falcon and Winter Soldier. Uh, Michael, since you're new to the the pod for, as far as uh, being on it uh, in person, uh, how are you feeling about the series before this week? And are you generally enjoying uh, what they're doing with Falcon and Winter Soldier? Yeah, I'm I'm generally enjoying it. I guess this is a good opportunity to uh, uh, plug the fact that uh, Racial Draft does a special um, Marvel. Um, Marvel recap episode with sort of instant reactions. So we we just did one last night for for this week's episode. But in general, yeah, I'm I'm enjoying it. I think that um, you know I I know that there were some cr- criticisms of the first episode, just um, showing showing them individually where they were in their respective worlds before bringing them together. But I mean, their chemistry crackles. Um, this week felt like you know action packed and. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm 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 a little nervous because we're halfway through, and mm-hmm. a part of me is is kind of like I don't want to leave these guys, and another part of me is like, where like can they wrap this all up in three hours? Because there's so many story threads and so many places that I love to see them, um, you know, spin out those story threads. All right, so this week um, we'll just start out with: Did you guys generally enjoy the Adam? Let's ask Love you. That. So Love I know that. you were so excited about the John Wick screenwriter Loved writing an it. episode. Loved so it. you were Loved you're it. all about Loved it. it. Loved it. Loved it. You could you, one look. Well, I can't. I mean, Caleb's never seen John Wick, but this oh, is the okay. most. This is the most John Wick Marvel's ever been. The dance club stuff and exactly. Madripoor and all that stuff. It looks ripped straight from John Wick movies. Yeah, all we needed was Jason Manzukas. Yes. to show up and be like i gotta collect that bounty <laughs> right right no it's 
I mean, I, I love this week. It was, uh, it's getting more violent too. I, also, I didn't know this. Apparently, the show says shit a lot. I must say, shit yes, yeah. way too much <laughs> to like even notice it. But apparently, it says Sam said much. it at least six times. I think, really? and 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 uh, copped in America also said it twice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have the same concerns Mike just said. Um, we're already half over. And it just feels like they're trying to pull like a Game of Thrones type stuff where you set everything up and except it takes eight seasons to seven seasons to pay off. Um, I don't Yeah, I don't yeah. I guess we'll see. Uh, apparently the next episode's mainly based on um, John Walker and Battlestar. So mm. we'll see, I mean, at least they're not half hour episodes, right? We're getting 45 minutes of solid content and, and it's moving along and stuff and it's it's interesting but man they they've they've introduced a dozen named comic characters so far yeah. probably it has to be a dozen now Battlestar and john walker uh, selby um even the doctor we were talking about smiling tiger i know uh, smiling <laughs> tiger what a deep cut now i now want a smiling tiger appearance in this show it's crazy. I mean, it on the character front, it's exactly what we thought WandaVision was going to be with the multiverse and stuff, and we got Agatha out of that. Yeah, I'd feel a lot better about this, about where they're going with opening up all these story threads if Black Widow were set in the present day somehow, because it it seems like a natural progression of this world to expand its tendrils into the espionage uh, Black Widow, you know, particularly with the whole super soldier um, dynamic of, of that being a MacGuffin that could really carry itself forward. I think that's what I like so much about it. It's not necessarily like uh, the end of the world type stuff. You know, the world's not in danger. I mean, they're super soldiers, but it's not like the super soldiers want global domination or to kill half of all life or something like you know i don't know if you listen to the internet it sounds like the super soldiers or the flag smashers want to create mutants um you know there's a, there was that, that x that x logo right there x in, logo uh, on the you know, gpc or the, whatever the latvian or the latvian uh uh academy for xavier it, it, you know there was True. right there in plain sight guys there's has screen crush done a uh serum breakdown because they made 20 vials of it and we've seen what five flake smashers or something i think there's eight is the number that they used last there's night eight. So minus there's... the one guy who threw himself in front of a hail of gunfire right yes which didn't seem like the most efficient <laughs> yeah. way to handle that situation yeah. but... he could have stopped at like the power line and like scampered off into the darkness or something right yeah, yeah. you think. But so there's twelve people out there. I mean, maybe that's how we get Or there's twelve vials. Or something. Twelve vials. Or there's twelve vials that have not been administered. Right, right, right. You know, there's been some speculation based on the comics that the serum kind of has an effect on the a psychological effect on the user. I mean, I could make my joke about the guy running into the hail of gunfire being one of those psychological effects, but I won't. Right. Um you know, up until this week I was saying that that Carly Morgenthau wasn't particularly villainous, um, mm -hmm. even though we understand that they're anarchists and they're trying to change the world and they're saying some kind of mean things about the people who came back. But this was the first time that she did something kind of reprehensible when she you know, blew up those, those innocent people. Um, 
do you think there's a possibility that they could be moving in that direction of the um the serum kind of er erodes your morality or erodes your sense of right and wrong yeah i would say so i mean maybe that's why everyone loved captain america so much because he's the one person that that the serum couldn't corrupt or something yeah but i mean that's the good point i was like you watch these episodes and you're like, I mean, the flake smashers aren't really villainous necessarily. Right. So then now they finally gave us that moment that was entirely needed where you're like, okay, well they're not, they're not really good guys. You know, I think it's yeah. interesting as far as there's the sense in captain America, first Avenger that the serum just accentuates whatever's already in you, like right. whoever you already are. And so the question is, um, I forget, are we, like, I'm very confused at this point. Is Carly Morgenthau supposed to be like a wealthy heiress type person or is she supposed to be? No, I think refugee? she's supposed to be, I, I think she's supposed to be someone who was, wasn't doing great to begin with, you know, maybe like middle class, but then her family got displaced when the people came back. So she moves, she goes out to Madripoor. Um, to start a new life. Now, I don't understand whether that woman, I, it seemed like that woman was some kind of um, mother figure. So maybe she was maybe in an orphanage, you know, um, and, you know, the way she talked with her friend, whose name escapes me right now, um, he seemed to to have some some connection to this woman as well. But yeah, I think the idea is that she's not wealthy. And that's all the more reason that she's trying to be um, trying to do this level set. Yeah, I guess maybe I was thrown off by the accent or something. I was thinking that it, it would be interesting if Morgenthau came from some degree of affluence. Mm. And so what's being accentuated her is just sort of this this sense of privilege that she has a right to tell everybody else how they're supposed to be. Right. And so like she's on the outside looks like she really cares about an important cause, mm -hmm. but it's sort of a saviorism that she has where she right, just right. thinks that she's going to tell everybody else the right way to be. I, to me, that would be something that would be another interesting flavor to add in to the midst of all this. Well, what I was hoping for, because, you know, up until this episode, I was sort of uh, on the fence of being team, uh, team Flag Smasher, is I just needed her to say a line like the medicine that my mother figure needed was in that that facility and they were keeping it, um, you know, held holding it hostage and but for us finding that her life could have been saved, you know, to sort of better explain her murderous, her murderous tone that these people were responsible for the death of, of one person that she knew and countless others. So that's why she feels fine about killing them. Yeah. It is going to be when, is Rihanna going to record her thoughts or something? Cause we should ask her about the, oh, right. the scenario of stockpiling supplies and stuff and get her, thoughts on that i'm not sure if she'd be at liberty to discuss that or not yeah, um, yeah um, there 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 aren't marvel snipers but there are probably people who would uh sniper would... snipers <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean um, it's interesting because we're seeing it with even with some vaccine stuff you know like generally a lot of states are trying to get vaccine out as quick as possible but i know here there was some controversy because they were trying to be a little more targeted with who they got mm -hmm. them out to early on and so this show feels very topical in that of like when there's emergency needs, like how much leeway does the people in charge get about 
the speed with which they get that stuff out and how targeted it is and how much they hold back in reserve. And I, I think that's where I heard people concerned that this show might have issues about plot mm-hmm. interacting with COVID in a weird way. And I think that some of this stuff is like, like we said last week when they said vaccine, you know, like my, my skin started to pull like, out. Like, like, what? Huh? <laughs> You're taking vaccines. <laughs> but um, I guess that's a good enough transition to the idea of the GRC. Um, how did you guys, th- how did you guys feel about how they presented that organization, both in the little uh, advertising spot and in the logo for the Jack boots or whatever that you want to call whole, the- that whole spot. I was waiting for Nathan Fillion to pop up as Simon. I'm like, Oh man, that would be such a brilliant way to introduce just the character, just throw Fillion in that little bit. Cause I mean, you know, I surely they have like celebrity spokespeople, or something, right, for their 3 to 4 a.m. infomercials? I mean, it, yeah, it definitely reminded me of an infomercial, which you don't normally get for a government, uh, right. overarching government agency. Christian Slater or something, or somebody, I don't know. But, yeah, I don't know what to think about that yet. Um, I'm remind me, is that is that that's not tied to like power broker or anything like that right that's just not uh, yet not yet not yet <laughs> but it might be who is the power broker that's an entirely different conversation we can go into well I, mean, I guess i'm indifferent on the grc right yeah i'm i'm a little so thus far they seem to not be great people it's interesting because in a lot of these situations i'm more empathetic than others towards like when there's chaos like this, you need somebody to like administer things and right. figure stuff out. And so, I mean, I don't think of myself as authoritarian by any means, but if this was a real reality, you would need some sort of government entity mm. to like, just sort out the crap. Like sure. it would just be so much to do. And so I'm interested. I think the show will probably give some nuance of like, yeah, these guys are overstepping, but it doesn't mean we don't need them at all. And so I but think they that's pointedly, sorry to cut you off, but they yeah. pointedly have not humanized the GRC in any way. Right. You know, they're these faceless uh, governmental, quasi-governmental, maybe private overlords that are giving Captain America's marching orders. And I think that goes to us being suspicious of them. If they had some hapless executive, like, you know, like another Hayward, I make the joke that his cousin Taylor Hayward is uh, <laughs> running the GRC. Um, you know, running around trying to figure everything out and he's, you know, tearing hairs out of his head because he, it's too much to manage, we might have a degree of sympathy for them. But when it's this, you know, oh, the, the, the big wigs the GRC are saying that these guys are, are a problem, you know, it's easy for us to be like, well, I don't want to trust, I don't want to trust that organization. Plus they're not an acronym. No acronym, when, when you're an organization in Marvel and you're not an acronym, I don't trust you. <laughs> True, true. I mean, that you bring up good points all around. You know, we we know nothing about it. You know, is could the power broker be in charge of this? Is it like a UN type thing? Is it um, affiliated with countries? Is it an Elon Musk type? What's what's really going? What's really going on? And that's what that's what the shows have done really well, man. I mean, these shows are fleshing out the MCU more than the movies have ever can you imagine once we're 20 shows in just how massive something like the mcu is going to be 
as, as a world. I mean, it's already huge the way it is, but it's going to have all these organizations. We're going to know um, the secretary of health or the secretary of the interior or something eventually. You well, know, this is where I want to, this so is where expensive. I would get on my agents of shield soapbox, right. Uh-oh. Where, you know, it, when I was the biggest fan of agents of shield, it was the idea of agents of shield doing that of fleshing out the world uh, between the movies, you know, creating this living universe that the big events could play around in and dealing with the long-term aftermath of the events of those movies. You know, I think I, I, you know, in a lot of ways, the things that people like about, um, about these Marvel shows are the things that we sometimes liked about agents of shield, but then sometimes were frustrated by um, because the story, the story seemed too small. I mean, I think there's there's a level of coordination, obviously, with Kevin Feige involved that Agents of Shield never got. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. Let's talk some about Sharon and Madripoor. Um, you know, did you like the way Madripoor was set up? Did you enjoy entering that part of the Marvel world? What did you think of Sharon's development? All that kind of stuff. I thought Madripoor was awesome. I, you know, you want to talk about spinoffs, like a Madripoor series, sign me up. Um, it, it will probably seem a lot John Wicky, but I, I'd be fine with that. Um, I thought that the way they advanced Sharon Carter's character was better than anything I could have imagined. I love the line where Bucky is like, oh, she's kind of awful now. you know because you know she was very kind of wide-eyed and um a little bit wet behind the ears and the way they presented her in the uh, other cat movies you know and to have her be kind of cynical and jaded and we know that she had to have gone through and done so many different things over the last seven years that the doors even open for her to either be the power broker herself or be power broker adjacent you know, my theory is that she's going to end the series as the new power broker. Um, she's going to engineer his his or her downfall so that uh, he she can take over for for the power broker herself. Do we I like think, that? I do too. Do we think the power broker is this episode five reveal everyone's talking about? Oh, I didn't know about an episode five reveal. Oh. Do tell. It's it's a rabbit. No, uh, Spellman said something about how. Um, Episode five has a character that he'd love to see teamed up with Thor. So oh, that just yeah. starts. I mean, it's Blue oh, Marvel then. Or, or yeah, Reed Blue Richards. Marvel or Reed <laughs> or, or, you know, John Krasinski playing five other characters or Quicksilver right. or um, Charles Murphy's tweeted about it. Um, Atlanta Filming's tweeted about it. Atlanta Filming says people have aneurysms. It'd be kind of interesting to me if they reboot Hydra through all this stuff. Like, it doesn't oh, seem no. totally outside. And so, like, Sharon Carter becomes basically Madam Hydra, you know? Like, that could be... Hmm. I think you know it how... would be totally off of the comics. She kind of was used by Faustus and Hydra during some mm-hmm. of the Winter Soldier stuff. You know how sick I am? The second Sharon mentioned she sold art, I gasped and said, oh, Joy Meacham. <laughs> <laughs> 
I thought you were going to say you're waiting for Grant Ward to come out and no, be like Sharon no, Carter's no, no. boyfriend. Michael, yeah. hey, who's that guy from the Daredevil? The, the artist from the Daredevil books who was like also oh, Muse. A serial killer. Yeah, you know? Muse. I would love Muse. I think we talked about this, Caleb. Right? How Muse would be the best. We'll never get him, but Muse would be amazing. I mean, we'd get it if we got a more adult uh, Daredevil. I guess I have to mm-hmm. uh, play Rhiannon for about five seconds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, no, I maybe mean, this the episode villain of the was... Echo show. Echo doesn't right. have a ton of supervillains. Let Muse right. be the uh... Kingpin. <laughs> so either Kingpin or Muse, I'd be be fine with. This episode was more violent too. They started showing some blood as well, especially when the Doctor got blown away. Oh yeah. Um, I think some blood splatters when Selby got shot. Yeah, Sharon racked up quite the body count, yes. um, taking people out. When she when she took the knife out of the person and then threw it into another person, I was like, okay, Sharon, all right. <laughs> and that's, I, that's the type of thing. I know this is a, a tangent and stuff, and Save Daredevil probably won't like it. But, I mean, Daredevil show likely will find its way to Disney+, Plus. I would assume. Just seeing yeah. where they're going and the and all that stuff you know i mean i don't see why there's no reason not to they gotta give like uh daredevil or fisk like hot batons or something just so it cauterizes the blood once they decapitate someone (laughs) because bloodless decapitations are all right so just make sure it's hot enough to cauterize that is correct that's the Star Wars. It's the beauty of the lightsaber. You can cut off any limb or appendage you want because the lightsaber will keep it from being bloody. Yeah, you can stab someone directly through the chest, yeah. and it's just uh, just a little steam, just a little. Yeah. Imagine if they gave Wolverine <laughs> hot claws during his MCA oh, debut. Uh, royalty, <laughs> royalties to Charles claws. Sewell. <laughs> <laughs> royalties to Charles Sewell for oh, saving yeah. Marvel in, in a bunch of money in ratings costs yeah. editing. News, hot claws. Talk about new humans earlier. Man, this is <laughs> the Charles podcast. The thing with Madripoor to me, I enjoyed it a lot. I didn't like, it's like a really small thing. It felt like the whole city was after them in Lowtown. Yes. And then they go to Shannon's place and they're just, it's a party and everything's cool. But then they go to the shipping containers and the whole world's after them again. It just seems like that's, yeah, it that's, was, I wish it would have been a little more re- unrelenting. Sort of, yeah. so, you know yeah. what I'm saying? That's kind but of remember, like, Sharon's party was in Hightown. Right. So she was in the, you know, the upper crust part of town, you know, where I guess they don't have bounty hunters. Right. Or security or something. I mean, that's a lot of the Madripoor mythos too, right? Is the whole caste system or class differential or, or whatever you want to talk yeah. about. I mean, we should probably it. talk about the Zemo meme, right? If we're going to oh, talk about yeah. the party. It's <laughs> amazing. Yes. I love I Oh, love, busting love. a move on the dance floor. Now, <laughs> let me ask this. I'm not sure how I feel about it yet. Do you feel like Zemo... They were almost too silly with Zemo. Like, did they take away some of the 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 feel of his formidableness by making him a little too goofy this episode? Not oh, no, actually, yeah. yeah. I feel like they turned Zemo into Batman. You know, um, you know, he he had very he had a lot of the the Bruce Wayne I'm rich element. You know, he had his own private uh, butler. Uh, he had a, a private jet. He puts the mask on and he's you know taking people out like three you know one to three and you know and he definitely had one-liners like he i think of all the characters he won the episode for sure 
you know um so i think that the just the, you know that little tinge of goofiness of him not necessarily being up on the latest dance moves but still having a good time you know was just the right amount of meme ability that i think right. you know when when we eventually get our uh thunderbolts uh series everyone's going to be there for zemo absolutely yes i love how he says hey i'm a i'm a baron and everyone calls him baron the rest of the episode <laughs> it's just I know Selby called him in. I think there was a couple of other times, but like they've never called no. had a reason to call uh, like Danvers Captain Marvel, right? Or am I just spacing that off? Yeah, I don't but think yeah. anyone's referred to her as such, but they've talked about her that way. You know, in in Wandavision, right. they mentioned oh, Captain true. Marvel. Right, right, right. So I like just just go into it, and it wasn't the I tweeted about it, it wasn't the whole corny will smith suicide squad line either too he's just walking he's like yeah i'm rich i'm a baron what's up you know and that's that's all it was so i like that part of it but yeah i don't think they they did more than what marvel typically did i I did have some criticisms or issues with the jailbreak i guess um you know zemo is is marvel's um master strategist and they kind of still gave that moment to bucky i guess i'm not sure did you guys get that zemo orchestrated his breakout or it was all bucky or it seemed like bucky orchestrated the breakout but it seemed like maybe they there was some unspoken agreement between the two about how it was going to play out i think the flip side is bucky gave him a key but um, there's a big difference between here's a key and breaking somebody out of jail. You know, like Zemo still had a lot of work to do to get from I have a key to I'm out and I'm free. Right. Just as far as like the ways that he moved in and out of doors and like mm-hmm. timed things and let everything go. I don't think we're to understand that Bucky like explained all of that in detail to him. But he also okay. needed someone to slip those inmates the note to start the riot right, in the right. first place. Yeah. You know, it was weird because I always thought of Bucky up until this episode as more of a blunt object, you know, who you send in the winter soldier after someone else has done their, their intelligence gathering. And this was the first time that I thought about Bucky as an actual spy, um, you know, with strategic ability and the ability to put together a multi-layered plan. Yeah, I guess I thought because of the way Scarlet uh, Scarlet Johansson, Black Widow talks about him in Winter Soldier, you know, he's a ghost. Like, we know that he does stuff, but we've never gotten him on camera. We don't have any photos of him. You know, he is very good at slipping in and out of places and nobody knows that he's there. That's a good point. I do like how they convinced the one take Daredevil jailbreak from 11 minutes to 30 seconds or whatever <laughs> it was, bringing it back to Marvel television. Uh, there's a few things I want to hit um, near the end of the episode. Uh, we got a little more talk about Sokovia and how Sokovia doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Are we playing the Mephisto game if we start talking mm. about Latveria, or do you think that we really are supposed to be thinking that way? I feel like, I mean, up until this episode, again, I wasn't playing the Mephisto game when it came to Latveria. I feel like there could be multiple Eastern European countries, and they don't all have to be the same place. But very pointedly, they talked about the way that their neighbors gobbled gobbled up Sokovia. So I, you know, so Sokovia is no more. He's a man without a country, literally. And, you know, it just 
definitely opens the door to who benefited from the downfall of Sokovia and, you know, four letters to, uh, <laughs> you know, who, who would most benefit from, from that um, power vacuum. That's the thing. I mean, that's the thing. I know Twitter gets mad with, with theories and stuff like that, but then they leave these breadcrumbs that are just so clear of where they're heading or so we think, right? Yeah. I mean, combined between Ultron and the blip and the introduction of something like the GRC and Zemo flat out saying, you know, it's, it's no longer a thing. It's like, it's almost so obvious that they, maybe they won't go that direction or something. Maybe that- the fifth episode one is Vic, you know, maybe it's just flat out doom. And uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. What if, what if he's the head of the GRC? He's, he's wrangled, oh. he's wrangled control of, of, oh, of the entire organization. But well, see, and- that's the thing. I mean, you only need to say, Oh, Hey, here's Mr. Von doom or something, you know, and everyone's going to be like, Oh my God. You know, like, what do you, what the hell do you do? And I think it would make a lot of sense. I think that, you know, you could do a story where during the blip, Latveria was the only nation on earth that really like flourished because he used sort of his authoritarian control to like not, you know, get things back in right. order and take up services and make sure yeah. put the that, doom bots into into the um circulation. Yeah, absolutely. And so then when they're like, Well, we need somebody who's administratively capable of handling the GRC. Doom would be like, oh, I, I got it. Like, look at me. I've done it. Yeah. I've handled it, you know? So w- Doom bots are just going to be recycled Ultron bots that he found laying around or something and reverse engineered? Or- oh, he took yeah, them from yeah. Sokovia. Yeah. Yeah, like the Iron Legion, the old Iron Legion yeah. bots, you know, that he just kind of perfected their design. And and they're... Make the- Tony Stark responsible for one more screw up <laughs> right see i mean that's the thing marvel you're listening throw noah holly in the zoom right now we already have the writer's room let's just uh <laughs> let's go with it well and the thing that would be very fun is if this show did build up i mean they if they built up like a latveria and a doom and they have all this geopolitical stuff and then we've got zemo maybe even trying to recreate sokovia and then on top of that, the Wakandans get That's thrown That's right, in. yes. I mean, it sets everything up awesomely. I don't know why I did not see a Wakandan showing up right. in this. Sh- like, I oh, don't even Charles I... Murphy, like, talked about it. But I, when it happened, I was, I was just jumping up and down on my couch, like, oh, they got me. <laughs> so, so I, I want to, I want to pat myself on the back slightly. So okay. when this show was first announced... I said, you know, they should have uh, Bucky and Sam working for Wakandan intelligence, you know, because I didn't think that he would get, in a, get a pardon. And I thought that Wakanda would give him asylum. And they and that's how we would get Bucky in the story in the first place, that he was working for Wakandan intelligence. But then, you know, obviously, we, we had the first couple of episodes. And when when we did our podcast last week, I said, I need a Wakandan agent to show up, you know, whether it's to help him or whether it's to ask him some questions, I just need that little loop to be closed. And, you know, the, the, the um, guest that I had was like, I don't know if we need it. I'm like, I need it. <laughs> you know, I need a Wakandan agent. And then, you know, I see the little ball, I see the little bead, the, um, I forget what they call chemical beads, and, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, they're doing it. They're doing it. And then they dropped the music, man. It's just like, man, what a good, these the cameos they're doing in this show i mean that's how the mc that's it's what we wanted all along from the mcu right Rhodey was 
purely organic. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't know where this black uh, Panther thing's going with AO, right? right. Um, we don't know where that's going, but it's just like, man, this is kudos. You know, it's hard to just be like, oh, this is this is what we've always wanted. And it was extra cool because, you know, Ao, of course, we first saw her in Civil War, mm-hmm. um, you know, so so there's even that additional level of of, you know, closing the loop because he, he has, you know, she has an even closer um, alignment with wanting to, to see Zemo go down because I believe she was there when T'Chaka got killed. Yeah, I think thematically it makes a lot of sense too, given that this is a show that is talking about race and racial racial issues in America in part, like having the Wakandans have a say in that like makes sense to me. It, it's a it's a it's an obvious place to go and I think a, a smart place to go on those things. Yeah. Right. And then again, I mean, the, you know, circling back to the plot threads, I mean, uh, Kay, this is probably Caleb's favorite show right now, right? Because I mean, what? So now we're going to have. Uh, Ao chasing Zemo, and then Zemo's trying to find the power broker, and then the Flake Smashers are still doing their thing. Plus, we still have John Walker <laughs> to deal with, and Isaiah Bradley's still out there. I doubt we've seen the last of him, right? Yeah, right. we'll see in the mailbag. I think that some of the uh, things that people have been sending us are probably right. That I think we're going to see some of this collapse on itself, right? As far as John Walker and GCR. And Flag Smashers and Isaiah Bradley, some of these things we're going to find out are are together. Like, I think Wakanda is either going to be more or less Flag Smasher side or GCR side, you know? Like, I just right. think that we'll kind of get it more sorted into two groups by the time things are, are all said and done. Gotcha. I mean, I could also see in a situation where, where Ao agrees to work with Sam and Bucky and Zemo for the right to take Zemo down when, when they, um, you know, when, when the time comes, um, you know, we need him for this mission, help us with this mission, and then you can have Zemo. And then of course, Zemo escapes right at the end. Um, but I mean, tying into my theory about Sharon kind of engineering this whole thing so that she can become the new power broker. Remember, the power broker is looking for the same thing that Sam and Bucky are looking for, and that's the Flag Smashers and the, and the serum. So even though we ostensibly think that they're that they're on opposite sides, they're only on opposite sides once uh, Car- uh, Carly is located. Right. Yeah, I, I do think it's interesting. There are all these things, but it's not that complicated. It, like, if you come at it from, hey, what are Bucky and Sam up to? It's a pretty simple chase down chase down the serum. I mean, that's really yeah. all that, that's going on with them. There's different people that come in and out of that, but it's not that complicated of a plot for those those two guys. I will say that it's... it's I I think in terms of my other theory with um, with John Walker... Um, one of my main theories is that he was going to get a serum and he was going to go bad off the serum. I feel like that kind of has to happen next week um, in order to really pay off because there are only three episodes left. So, you know, if you get him, you know, you, you kind of tell his story. If, if next week is a little bit more John Walker focused, you can see you could have him meet up with another one of the Flag Smashers or a group of Flag Smashers, get his ass handed to him, um, get his hands on one sample of the serum and decide that he needs to use it on himself, um, kind of get all juiced up 
and then kill someone or get Battlestar killed or what have you. And now he's firmly in the camp of Anta like full, full on, we have to take him down as well. Renegade Cap. Yeah. I'm still not totally convinced that he doesn't already have the formula. Like, I think it's possible the government gave it to him on the down low just to make sure that, uh, but they didn't want to announce it, you know, so they're, they're billing him as just a, an average guy. Who's but he hasn't really done hard. anything super soldiery yet. Uh, no, I mean, I hear you. I just don't know. We'll see. I just, right. I think it's a possibility. I think that they mm -hmm. could spring it, spring it on us as well, that it's been kind of slowly driving him mad. And that's why he was a little bit not totally unlikable at the beginning of episode two. Mm -hmm. And then as the show goes, he deteriorates and then we get the reveal that he's, he's always had the serum in him. So interesting. I'm just waiting for a minute, man. <laughs> just, I'm glad you guys are passing the time. Can we do like a live reaction video or something to anything or. Oh, you want, is it out? Uh, not yet. I'm waiting. Oh, I'm, oh okay. I'm if you've not heard, Michael, apparently there is a Black Widow trailer that is happening at noon. Oh, so that's the part on the street. That's what the Whisper Network says. Oh, well, I mean, I am perfectly okay with watching it on one screen and uh, reacting in real time. Yeah. Um. <laughs> let's tell you what, let's do this. Let's hit our, our mail while we're waiting. Okay. And, um, uh, just got a few things here. We had Love Waffle on the website. Um, just went live. Okay. Just went live. He says, we're going to find out the Flag Smashers are a manufactured threat to justify the new Captain America. So his theory is the GCR is yeah. actually funding the Flag Smashers uh, so that they create a false false right. flag, I guess. I and then yeah, false flag. Nice. <laughs> and then a need for more super, super soldiers. Yeah, so I thought that was uh, that was pretty good. Last week uh, at the World of Wrath uh, was asking us what if LAF means the Latvarian something, hmm. like the LAF from the beginning of um, with with uh, George Saint Pierre, uh, Nathan Milner. You were asking about uh, Hawkeye uh, last week, Adam. Apparently, Hawkeye's had fifty-two minutes of screen time in the MCU. That is the official tally number. So. Fifty-two of that much, huh? Yeah. Uh, that's basically, I think, all the mail stuff that we've got. Uh, let's pull up this trailer. We were talking with Rhiannon offline. And it was like, it is really hard for us to get too excited about another Black Widow trailer. <laughs> Unless <laughs> they drop this... some major thing at, in here. I'll say this before we even start. They're in a spot where if they share nothing, we'll be like, well, there's nothing new there. But if they share something new, it'll be like, Oh, geez, you spoiled some of the movie because you've had this, you know, 18 month long publicity stunt. And so now we've uh -huh. had to share too much. All right. Three, two, one. Okay. Using mm -hmm. Avengers and nice. Civil War uh, footage. <laughs> Little Ultron in there. Game. Are they going to show her falling? That would be rough. Oh, <laughs> speak of the devil. Well, there's 30 seconds without any new footage. <laughs> Who's this blue-haired oh, girl? Little, yeah, little Natasha. That was a new shot of Yelena. No, oh, wow. Okay. Nice motorcycle jump. Taskmaster's black. I, 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 am, <laughs> I am coming around on that design, man. Car flip? Yeah. What? That was a sick transition, though. Holy shit. Oh, a, there's your uh, hot sword. 
Yeah. <laughs> Someone's losing their head. New logo. Oh, r- the r- Russian version of the Avengers logo, the Avengers theme. I'm here for it. <laughs> Order it now on Disney Access. Give Disney a little more, a little more capital. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that was the uh, the USSR uh, version of the the Marvel fanfare. That was fascinating. So, what I think is fascinating. 30 seconds of old movie foot like right i said what's the problem is you can't share too much new but you can't just give the same old so it's it's sort of like that first endgame trailer where it was like Mm -hmm. a bunch of footage from old movies it's kind of brilliant in a way but i really liked it because a lot of people were were saying like do why do we care about a black black widow story when we know that she's already dead I think that the trailer kind of helped to answer that question. You know, it hits it hit a it hit much stronger emotional beats than I was, you know, than any of previous trailers I've done and and I was even expecting. It was very somber and very much about telling her story and and making her feel more three-dimensional. Um so so I'm I am actually more interested in seeing the movie now even though it it involves uh, having to take a step backwards in the narrative. Yeah, I think that we didn't know there was going to be a lot of Natasha as a kid stuff in this. Mm-hmm. And so that to me is a reveal that was was not expected. That's not something that, that I knew was there. That is a new piece that I got out of this that makes it more interesting. And right. I, it gives, it gives, I think Michael just said the the emotional beat, you know, I mean, that's the depth that's always been always been missing from natasha right she's always kind of been a loner and and no family yeah and she's even um she mentioned something about family in endgame right that's when she died endgame right um you know about how that's all she has and i guess thus, thus far the emotional beat for her has been oh she was a merciless killer and now she feels really guilty about it right and it's like yeah she probably should you know like (laughs) it's hard to like get too much empathy out of that but this sort of um they plucked her from her home as a child Mm -hmm. and and you know they did a little bit of this with uh age of ultron i guess this this sense that she's been sort of manufactured into a monster or whatever but right i mean i was yeah i was about to say there was also that element that you know that the red room's uh, part of their brainwashing was to take away their ability to have children by basically saying, you know, doing that and saying that the, your this is your only family, you know, yeah. you can't have a family of your own. So to the extent that that gets explored, you know, you see these young girls who are being indoctrinated into into spydom, um, that the family that forms around that, as dysfunctional as it might be, you know, is is I think that's going to create. Given that we know that Yelena Belova is going to be in other projects, the sense of her taking up that mantle and taking up the legacy of her sister, um, I think, could work. And I always felt like Joss kind of dropped the ball on Ultron in that story, because I felt like sometimes it rang like she was like, oh, Bruce, I, I'm infertile and therefore I'm a monster. And I was like, no, no, I don't think right, that that's right. what we want to say about yeah. people that struggle with infertility. What are you talking yeah. about, Josh? Yeah. You I mean, know, I think, like... I, yeah, it just needed a little, probably like one more line where yeah. they were basically saying that, you know, taking away your ability to have yeah. children would open the door to further indoctrination and get rid of all of their empathy. 
Jess. You think uh, <laughs> Ruffalo pops up in this? Somehow, because um, they never did resolve that, really. I mean, there was that awkward interaction in Infinity War, but through like a FaceTime so, call or Skype or something. <laughs> yeah, but Skype. the problem is, is based on the timeline, he's already off planet, right? This is after Civil War. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. I, I still have the theory that Cap and Natasha had a little bit of a thing while they're on the run. Mm, well, I think I you see. I think they had a thing, you know, way back in the uh, Winter Soldier. They they had a look. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just there's there's that scene in I think it's Infinity War. They come back to the uh, to Avengers HQ, and Bruce mm. is there. And I forget if it's Rhodey or Sam. I think it's maybe Sam that just sees Bruce and he goes, "Oh, this is awkward." <laughs> and I'm like, "Wait, why is it awkward?" I mean, it's well, awkward. It's awkward because... if Steve and Natasha are together. That's why. <laughs> I mean, but it's also awkward because you know they had a thing and it never really got resolved. Yeah. And this is the first time they're seeing each other since then. However, Natasha might have moved on, whether it's moved on with Steve or moved on with someone else. You know, that's an awkward conversation to be privy to. Little did they. Little, do you know? Did they know how much uh, smashing Hulk was doing in the uh... <laughs> right <laughs> over on Sakaar? <laughs> right. All right, guys. I think that's it. That's all yeah. the uh, all the mail we had, all that stuff. Uh, Michael, thank you for being with us. Uh, we'll yeah, see. Thanks I for having me, guys. If you're up for it, we'll probably ask you to come come back for a few weeks. You know, Rhiannon, I think is she told us today they're vaccinating thousands and thousands of people with stuff she's doing with work. So that's awesome. We're really happy that she's doing it. I got my first jab this week. So, you know, uh, hopefully I'll still be here to tell you about when I get my second jab. And uh, Adam, we replaced a host and you're still the last one. <laughs> and I'm still one. the last one to get it. Imagine that. <laughs> oh, she's thrown out the vaccination numbers. I'm like, there's not even that many people in the whole west side of iowa so like <laughs> yeah it's whatever soon man soon two weeks from today no two weeks from yesterday so excellent it's coming up then i'm hitting up the first buffet i see man after that <laughs> after what two Golden weeks or whatever Corral, they say, here we come yeah i'm getting the one shot one too which i i don't feel too comfortable after reading the news but uh we'll do i'm gonna yeah, man, go to some casino buffet or something. Oh, you know, with the crab legs chilled in the water. Hell yeah, let's do it. <laughs> all right. Thanks for listening to the show, guys. Uh, you can find us all the usual places. If you want to interact with the show, uh, twitter.com slash Marvel News Desk. Or we have Patreon, patreon.com slash Marvel News Desk. I would love for you to support us. Uh, thanks to Tim for our logo and Alvin for the music. And uh, thanks for listening to the show. We'll see you next week.